It has really been a great privilege to be here with y'all. And uh, I told Friday night that my wife is not with me because she has shingles second time. Uh, but she texted me a message. I'm praying for you all here. And I thank God for, for her life. And, uh, and I have been greatly blessed this weekend here as well. Listening from the Jones and the Schmidt and uh, Schmidt, Schmidt, and uh, and from Carl as well. It has been a great encouragement. Even talking with some of you have brought a great encouragement. And this morning was great encouragement. Met Mama from Philippines, uh, and it was a great blessing to to meet her. Now, what I'm going to do? Last Friday, I told you I went verse by verse with verse, and yesterday verse with verse. I have three points for the first masses on Friday, four for masses yesterday. This morning, I told you I'll go verse by verse, and tonight I'm going to change. I have three points for to this morning, but tonight I have ten points, and I'm going to change a little bit because tonight, the Lord will, I'm going to share with you all uh, ten practical biblical ways by which each one of us across the street and around the world can get involved in making Christ known. Therefore, I'd like to ask you to open God's infallible, inerrant, inspired, sufficient, efficient, the only Holy Spirit, inspired, written, given Word of God in the world, the Bible, to open in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, and this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And we're going to read from verse 12 to 17. This is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Listen to the Word of God. I'm reading from the New King James. Oh no, the New King. Yeah, New King James, not the King James. The New King James. 4, 12 to um, 17. I know that, uh, I know what you, you think about it. But if you ask my children what they think about it when I put my watch here, they will tell you this. This is Dad's most meaningless gesture. I keep it here just to see how long it takes for me to finish this message. Don't worry, we'll finish by noon. The Lord willing. Listen to the Word of God. And I want you to put your thinking caps imagine don't be fictional but imagine now Jesus heard that John had been put in prison he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent. For the King of Heaven is at hand. Father, you are here. Jesus, you promised to be with us every single day. Holy Spirit, you dwell in us and in our midst. 
And our Father, once more, in the name of Jesus, we're going to plead before you the same thing all over again. Would you please open our eyes to see the wonders of your word and of your work. Your work in your world through your workers for the sake of your glory and the salvation of sinners and edification of those who already belong to you. Would you please, Father, in the name of Jesus, may your Holy Spirit open our minds to understand and our hearts to trust, to believe, to treasure, so that we may joyfully and immediately obey your word and delight in your work so that we may experience the reality of your presence so that we may share it with those who are already yours for their edification and with those who do not know you yet across the street and around the world for their salvation and all for your glory. I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit once more do not allow us to leave this place the same way we came. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, who is with us. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. And in his name, we wait. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, keep your Bibles open. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And... Uh, Jesus said once in Luke chapter 24, I'm not, I'm not going there, but Jesus left it very clear that the whole Bible from, and he was talking about the Old Testament at that moment, the whole Bible, the Old Testament is about him, about his redemptive work, and about preaching his name for repentance among all the nations. In other words, as you go through the scriptures, you have to ask the question what implicitly or explicitly it says in any part of the scriptures, in any book about Jesus, about His work, and how can I preach this Jesus and this name for repentance. But it's not just the Old Testament, it's all about Jesus and about the redemptive work of Jesus. It's the whole New Testament. And if you doubt when you come home to this morning, I'd like to challenge you, you open the, old, the New Testament and go for each 27 books, just read the first 10 verses and the last verse of each book. And they always start telling you about Jesus and ends with Jesus. As a matter of fact, you keep your Bibles in Matthew chapter 4. Because I didn't come here to perform. I came here to preach. And I hope that you are there uh, praying and following me. Open your Bibles. Keep Matthew 4. Go with me to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Go very quickly. Revelation chapter 1. This Bible is all about Jesus, my friend. In his redemptive work, in the preaching of Jesus. In the Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, you have these words of John the Apostle. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant John. And he presented Jesus immediately, and he among the churches. But if you go to the last verse of Revelation, you, the two last verses are this. In Revelation 22, 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 
The Bible is all about Jesus. Jesus was all about himself. He preached himself. John preached him. He preached himself. He invited people to come to him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you're going to see that wherever Jesus is, he's always about his message, which is Jesus, the Savior of the world. And this morning, I would like to call your attention to three things. I'm going to ask three questions here in Matthew chapter 4, 12 to 17. And I'm going verse by verse. But I have three questions for this particular passage. And I hope they're going to follow me. Because the answers are there. I don't know how you, write, how you study the Bible. That's the way I read and study my Bible. I begin to read, meditating, and I ask questions. But I don't give the answer from my experience, not from the commentaries. I go and see how the Bible answers those questions to me, especially in the immediate context to start with. And this morning we're going to do that. I have three questions for the text that I read to you. First question is this. Let me give you the three questions and you go for each one of them and you go verse by verse. The first question is this. Why did Jesus leave Nazareth? Because the Bible says that in verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John, it's a reference to John the Baptist, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist, that's a reference, had been put in prison, and remember John was preaching Jesus, he departed to Galilee. In leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. First question, why did Jesus leave Nazareth? Footnote, just footnote. Because I preached in many, many places. And many times I preached in the interior of Brazil or in the Amazon. And Nazareth is the name of a lady in Brazil. And many times, I remember uh, the majority of the Brazilians are Roman Catholics. And many times I'm in the interior. And then when I read this text like this, and leave in Nazareth. And people begin to wonder, oh, I didn't know he was married. No, 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 no. This is a place. The question is, why did he, Jesus leave Nazareth? Second, what for did Jesus dwell in Capernaum? And the third question, what did Jesus go about doing? Three questions. Why did Jesus leave Nazareth? Secondly, what for did Jesus dwell in Capernaum? And third, why did Jesus go about doing? First question, why did Jesus leave Nazareth? The answer is in the text. And the text gives you two answers. I would like to call your attention. Listen, the first answer is in verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John, the Baptist, had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came to dwell in Capernaum. If you ask, why did Jesus leave Nazareth? The immediate answer is, because he heard that John the Baptist was in prison. And now it's time for him to become, to begin his public ministry. And the answer is correct, but incomplete. And let me tell you why. Because the fact that John the Baptist was put in prison and Jesus moved from Nazareth to Capernaum at that moment, it was just the immediate circumstance. You can look the reason from the moment that you are happening, but I would like to call your attention that not everything that happens to us has doubtless an immediate cause. But everything is related. And I'm going to show you the Bible teaches you that. Everything in some way or another is related to the ultimate purpose of God to redeem people. Therefore, everything that happened to your life, you can look from the immediate perspective, but you have to go a little bit back 
in Luke from God's perspective. Because you're going to see that Jesus' geography and all Jesus moves was led by the Father. Of course, it came to the point when there was the time for Jesus to leave Nazareth. And by God's decree and sovereignty, John, doubtless, had to be put in prison. But John was put in prison by someone who was really mean. In other words, Herod, who, put, who did that, was responsible for that. But God sovereignly rules. We are responsible for what we do. But everything is under the ruling and sovereign power of God. Now, the immediate that led Jesus to go to, to leave Nazareth was the fact that really John the Baptist was in prison. Was put in prison. But, the other reason is given here to you. There is another reason before the foundation of the world. God sovereignly leads all our moves Therefore, I gave a title for this message, and I have to explain to you, because it seems so awkward. You say, Dr. Medeiros, you are dreaming. There is no word such theography in, 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 in English. But let me tell you how I put that word there. I could say about don't waste your geography. I could say that. But when I know that my geography and all my moves, according to the Scriptures, are led by God, I don't have a geography. I could say a God-graphy. But I put the word theos because, just for you all to know, theos, the word theo comes from the Greek word theo, that means God. And it, seems, it sounds better than God-graphy. Theo-graphy. And that's what I'd like to call your attention today because that's what the Bible tells us. All our moves are led and guided by God from birth to death. And I would like you to see from both perspectives, from the immediate perspective and from God's perspective. And let, why do I know that? Because look what the Bible says. Yes, verse 12 says, Jesus heard and he departed from Galilee and lived in Nazareth. He dwelt in Capernaum. But look what verse 14 says. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet more than 500 years before. Isaiah had prophesied that the Messiah would leave Nazareth and go to live in Capernaum by that region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now God used an immediate circumstance. John is put in prison. But the, the program here is before the foundation of the world. Oh, my friends, read and meditate on Psalm 139. The Bible says when you're born, everything is designed. There is no fatalism here. But every single day of my life, from birth to death, and everything, and we are responsible for everything we do. And people who do things to us, put us in peace, whatever it is, they are responsible for that. But nothing is out of God's sovereign control and ruling. And that's what I find here. I hope and pray that when you leave here, you're going to say, Oh, it means that I'm here not because I'm a snowbird. Yes, I know. Sometimes you come here because it's too cold up, up there. That's what moves you. But I want you to see God's perspective as well. Now, let me give you, I could give you several examples. I'm going to give you one example. Because the Bible is filled with them. And then secondly, I'm going to apply it to our own lives. Remember this. If you say that Jesus moved from Nazareth to Capernaum because John was put in prison, the answer is correct, but it's incomplete. The complete answer is he moved. Because God had already determined all his moves. The place of birth, 
where he was going to live, the fact that he went to Egypt and come back, everything, all geographical moves of Jesus was God-led. And I'm going to show you that your moves as well is God-led. I hope and pray that you're going to see the immediate circumstances and never limit it to them. And say, Lord, I know I'm here because that's my new job. That's the place I'm going to work. But what in the world does it have to do with your redemptive work? What making people know whatever I am? Now listen, I'm going to give you an example that I love very much. There is a young man in the Bible that I admire very much. has been a great inspiration in my, for my life in the Old Testament. And this guy is Joseph. Have you heard of Joseph? Yes, of course. Ever heard of Joseph. By the way, this is a young man. The Bible says he's very handsome. Yes, Brad Pitt is pitiful before him. The Bible says, this is a 17 years young, young man, that when I study his life, I have done some studies on, on the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph could be reduced in maybe three or four pieces. If you go to Genesis 37, you're going to see Joseph in the pit. His brother throwed him in the pit, and Judah suggests to sell him as a slave to Egypt. And they did it. When they come to Egypt, he comes to the Potiphar's house. You see the second P? That's Genesis 40. No, 39. Then in Genesis 40, you have Joseph in prison. The third P. But in Genesis 41, you have Joseph in the palace. That's the fourth P. Now, you know the story. Listen to what happened. I'm going to give you a little bit of geography here. Joseph, 17 years old, in Genesis 37, is sold by his evil, mean brothers as a slave to Egypt. And he went to Egypt, the Bible says in the Psalms, all with currents, you name it, chains and pain, got there, 17 years old. When he came to the palace, according to Genesis 41, 46, I think, he was 30 years old, which means it has been already... 13 years that he has not seen his brothers and family and they thought really he's gone. He's 30 years old, 13 years. Now comes what? Seven years of plentiful in Egypt. And about two years, or one year after that, his brothers come to Egypt. Now Joseph is now my friend, 37, 38, 39 years old. And he was dressing like an Egyptian and he's speaking the Egyptian language. When his brothers come the first time, when he started the famine time, the Bible said that he spoke to them through a translator. They could not recognize him, my friend. He's 39 years old. It has been about 20-some years after he left his parents and brothers. They could not recognize him. And he spoke through a translator. They thought he was Egyptian. It's good to know bilingual. Keep in mind that. The second time they come, now I want, I want to open your Bibles. Open your Bibles in Genesis 45. I cannot just give you the address. I have to go with you. Genesis 45. That's when the second time that now Joseph is going to, be ma to manifest himself to his brothers. Listen to this. Please put your imagination because sometimes we read the Bible and don't feel it. Feel it. Think, see it. Oh, I wish I could be there with a the camera just to have that picture. But sometimes I, I can't imagine. This is what the Bible says. That's the second time now. Then Joseph could not restrain himself. Genesis 45, 1. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. 
and he cried out. By the way, when the Bible used those words, those verbs, please, the Bible means that. He didn't say just, make everyone go out, please, from me. He didn't say that. The Bible said he cried like, something like this, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2. And he wept, please take note of this, aloud. And so aloud that the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. What is happening with our governor? He's wept aloud. And verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am... Are you picturing it? Or I think about your income tax. This is more important. Then Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. You know what's going on in their minds. Probably we have dead meat. We sold this guy. You know the second man here in Egypt. We had dead meat. But listen. Verse 4, I want to call it, there is something here about Joseph's geography that you have to come and grasp it because it explains precisely what the Bible is telling about Jesus' geography and your geography I'm going to show you. And don't worry, I'm watching my time. Verse 4, and Joseph said to his brother, please come near me, to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. My question is, why was Joseph into Egypt? In Egypt. Why is he in Egypt? Because his mean brothers sold him as a slave. That's true. The answer is correct but incomplete. And Joseph had the correct and the complete answer he's going to give to his brothers. You know, they were mean. They did it. First time. Second, listen, verse 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Why I'm here? Because you sold me. But please don't forget the last statement now. Oh, when I read something like that, you don't imagine how good it is into my heart that I'm here this morning. Because my geography is lad, but the Lord as well. Yes, I came here because I was invited by Tim to be a preacher to preach this missions conference. But since I know that my geography is led by God and has everything to do with the redemptive history, I know that's not the complete... I am here today because God wants me here today. Yes, I was invited and accepted. But listen to the final part. Oh, I don't want you to miss that. Now do not therefore be grieved and angry with yourselves because you sold me here for what? For God sent me before you to preserve life. In other words, the famine could destroy all of you and the seed will be gone. But for the preservation of the seed, which is the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, God sent me ahead of you. Yes, you sold me. God sent me. Get the, the, both words with S. God... Send me by selling me as a slave. As a matter of fact, his brothers, mean brothers, evil brothers, sold him. 
but everything is under God's control. And by the way, you only, you, that's the only way for you to enjoy every circumstance of your life if you are not in sin is to understand there are immediate causes, but everything at the end will be related to God's redemptive history. And I want to see it from this perspective. You know, when people are in the hospital, I pray for their healing. But let me tell you something. If they're in the hospital because they got sick, that's the correct answer. But it is incomplete. Why are you in the hospital? You know how I pray for them? I pray for healing, I pray for the doctors, I pray for the nurse, but I pray for my brothers and sisters in the hospital that they may take that opportunity and tell people about His Lord Jesus Christ. And when they're visited, please tell people about Jesus. What an opportunity you have to talk with doctors and nurses. My mother is 85, she has had several surgeries, but when my mother comes and goes and she says, before, please, before I'm out, stop. I want to pray for all of you. And I want to tell you something before I go to surgery. And she said this to the husband and the nurse in Brazil. Listen, whatever happened, you know. If God wants me to take me home, I know for sure that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for my sin. I'm saved. And I'm going to be with Him. But I'm praying for you. So that may the Lord guide your hands and you may know my Jesus. Now, take me to the operation room. This is the point here. Yes, you sold God's sand. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you. I'm going to say something more. Because according to the scriptures, it's not just Jesus' geography, nor the geography of God's people, Abraham and others, were led by God. Your, all your moves are guided by God. And I hope that you don't waste wherever you are. Let me give you Open your Bibles now and go with me to Acts chapter 17. Paul said so. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is preaching to a group of pagans, Epicureans and philosophers, and he's speaking about Jesus and about the God that these people don't know. And the God that they don't know is the God who creates heaven and earth, brought all of us from one couple, and guide and lead all our geographies. Listen what he says. Let me just read to you. Verse 26. Acts 17, 26. And he, means this God, made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on the face of the earth. Everybody comes from one couple. And has, listen to this, very important here. The subject of the verb is God here. And has this God who created every single human being from one blood, this God has determined, in theological terms would say, has decreed their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. I was not born almost 63 years ago in the coast, the coast of Brazil, in a small city called João Pessoa. And December 1st, by chance, not the date, not the time, not the place of my birth. Nor April 6th. Today 6th? Is today 6th? Nor April 6th, 2014. First PCA Biloxi. 
It never happened by chance. Of course, we always, this all our moves here, but God says that He determined, pre-appointed the times and the bundle of their dwellings. Look at verse 27. And it's not just for you. It's also for your neighbors, for anyone in the world. Because that's what Paul is saying here. Look verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord. People are born with a, an emptiness. And I know they look for the American dream. They go for fame, for money, for whatever education. They're looking for something that gives meaning and makes them go in. But God is saying they're born to seek God. And they seek all other things. They want to sell something that's that gives meaning to their lives, and your neighbors as well, and your children as well, and my children as well. But God said, the need of every human being when they're born is to seek, is to know God. And then, use all the means and the circumstance that God provides for them to be servants and live a life worth living and a life worth dying. 400, more than 450 thousand babies are born every single day in this world according to the United Nations. And they're born lost. And the Bible says whatever they're born, God has determined, predetermined their time and the place of their birth so that they seek God. In other words, if you, are, if you have a neighbor who is lost, remember, down there, whether he, he knows or not or she knows or not, their need is to know God. Life, eternal life that we lost. And I hope and pray that God, you know that God didn't put you in that neighborhood by chance. Or because it was the best place for you to live. The best price you could get for your house. Listen to this. No, let me finish here. Verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. Then He's addressing pagans as well. Verse 28. For in Him we, means we all of us, pagans and non-pagans, we live and move and have our being. My point is this, I hope and pray that you do not waste your geography wherever you are. I could tell you a lot of stories. I'm going to tell you just one story. I was in China for, I think, 30. 13 days with my wife. I, was, I went there. I'm not going to, go to give names here. I'm not going to give names. I was there teaching. And, uh, and I had opportunity to preach in one of those underground churches as well. One Saturday, the American friend of mine was there. He said, I'm going to take you to a tour here in the city. The city of three million people somewhere there. I'm not going to tell their place. And as I was, it was in a very beautiful, touristic place. And... Uh, Son, I'm there with speaking English, of course. And, and of course, the Chinese can see that you are not Chinese. Um, and you feel minority. That was a beautiful place of tourism. And then as I was talking, suddenly two Chinese young ladies stood up. They were looking for something. There was a very beautiful compound of Chinese culture. Big, huge. And they stood up and one of them said, Where are you from? In a very good English, better than mine. And I said, I'm from, uh, I'm from Brazil, and, uh, but I live in America right now. And this is my wife, Oklina, and this is an American friend. And uh, I said, what do you think about China? I said, you know, this is a beautiful place. My God created all of this. 
In every beauty that I can see, I can see the touch of my God. And then I told her, listen, I didn't know who she was. I'm just talking because they're asking. I'm the one why you raised my geography even when I'm in China. For all the places. And then I told that girl, it is my wife and we have been married for 36 years and we're happily married. And that girl looked at me and said, happily married? I said, yes, ma'am. And I told her, do you want to know the secret? And she said, what is the secret? And I said, the secret is in a book. And I said, what book is that? I said, the book is the Bible. But the secret is in one person. And what person is that? I said, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, it means that if I want to know the secret of marriage and stuff like that, happy marriage, I have to get a Bible and read it? I said, no. Because the Bible is not a handbook of marriage. The Bible is about Jesus. It tells about marriage. It tells about husbands should deal with their wives and children. But the Bible is not the handbook of marriage and family therapy. The Bible is a book about Jesus. Let me tell you, when I began to talk with her, but the American friend said, if they start a conversation, just go ahead. You're going to leave anyway. We stay here. I said, okay, you go to prison, I'll be there praying for you. But anyway, but I was talking. Listen, when I began to talk with that lady, guess who she was? Had a PhD in tourism. And she works for the government as a high qualified person to, to see how tourism is done in China. And she was there just visiting the place. And I said, listen, do you have a, a, a Chinese Bible? She said, no, sir. Said, I'm going to send you because that book transformed my life. She gave me her address and the place where she lives. And next time you come, come to my office. I would like someone just to tour you around the place here. Thank you very much. Came back. As soon as I got back to your say, I sent her an email. And she replied me. And she said that, Sir, you promised that you're going to tell me more about the secret. And I'm waiting. And by the way, I have not received the Bible. Long story short, I sent her a Bible. She received the Bible. Last week, may I received, she just said, God bless you. I don't know what she meant by that. But she said once, two years ago, she said, I will be in New York, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles to promote tourism in USA from China. We're going to have the embassy there, the ambassadors there. They're going to have a special dinner and invite guests from USA so that we can promote tourism in China. I would like you to come. What an invitation. By the way, I didn't go because at that moment I was in Brazil. But I told her, if I were here, I would go to New York with my wife. I said, I would go. I would love to go. Pay my ticket, go there so that I could take her with my wife and go someplace so that we could talk more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Opportunities. By the way, don't waste your geography. And I'm going to finish. My two other points were this. Don't waste your geography. Wherever you are, remember, you have an immediate reason, but please never forget to look from God's redemptive history. God has everything designed. Even for you who live here in Biloxi, Mississippi. Let me finish here. My two points are very quickly. The two points are this. What for did Jesus locate himself in Capernaum? You know what, what for? So that those people could see the light. That's it. How do I know that? Go back to, to Matthew 4, verse 15 and 16. What for did he locate himself in Capernaum? The Bible says this. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way, the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, reference to the Gentiles. In verse 16, reference to the 
the Laos of God. Because the word for people there is Laos. The Jewish as well, the Jew people, the Jewish people. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region a shadow of death, light has dawned. What for? So that people who is in darkness, separate from God, could see the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And those who are in the region of shadow of death, life has come. The Bible says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of man. So that these people could know and see it. What for are you where you are? Just to enjoy? There's no better way to enjoy your place and your life than tell about the light and the life of this world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the place where you live began to make sense. And wherever you are, it will be a delight. Finally, what did Jesus go about doing this place? Now, how Jesus brought the light to these people? Finally, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus go about doing? Speaking to people. Preaching to people. Telling people about Himself. When He says here, Repent means you are sinners. And when He says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, means the, the king, according to Isaiah chapter 9, is here, I am the king. Repent, receive royal forgiveness, come into my kingdom. You are in darkness, and my kingdom is the king of light. You are in death, and my kingdom is the king of life. How did he do that? Talk with people, talking, preaching, sharing, you name it. That's the way I hope and pray. Don't waste your geography. Because if you waste, you are wasting also your life. And by the way, footnote to finish. If you want to know a little bit more, because it's not just Isaiah that prophesied about that. But when you go back, I hope that you open Psalm 107 and read verse 8 to 15. Because in Psalm 107 is an exposition of Matthew 4. Because there it tells why people are in darkness and why people are in death, in the region of death. As a matter of fact, don't worry, five minutes more, five minutes less, it's not a big deal here, I hope not. And if it is for you, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to read it just to finish. Psalm 107. It caught my attention as I was reading, studying the, through the Bible. And one day I came to this particular passage. There is an explanation of Matthew chapter 4. Yes, Isaiah prophesied that. But it was already part of the singing of God's people. Let me read to you. It says this. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the tune of man. For he satisfies the longing soul. You are born seeking God and fills the hungry soul with goodness. What was the goodness of God here about? Listen, verse 10. Those who sat in darkness in, in the shadow of death. Bound in affliction in iris. That's what it means to be in darkness. And in the region of death. Why were they like this? Why were they afflicted? Verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God. And despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor and fell down. And there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distress. 
He brought them out of darkness and the shell of death and broke their chains in peace. And then comes worship. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. That's the exposition of Matthew chapter 4. Why are you where you are? What for are you there? What are you doing? Father, thank you very much. Bless us. And help us not to leave this place the same way we came. And help us not to waste our life. And help us to reevaluate the place where we are and we are going. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.